You are listening to Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship with the world. My name is Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. On this episode, we talk about how we as designers establish our self-worth. Doggone it, Andy. People like you. I just finished building my new bike just barely in time to bike here for this recording. It was like a race against the clock. I had to put all the pieces together and then pedal it over here. Nothing fell off, which is always a good sign on the first time riding a new bike you just put together. Except for you, don't you love getting bike parts so much that a a bike part falling off seems like an opportunity? Well, you don't want it to fall off while in use because danger, physical harm is real. Uh, explain how that works i don't understand but also you know i went through a phase where i really liked buying old bike parts on ebay for fun and uh that phase is long over though you're way behind matt that was like three years ago andy like buying them and doing something with them or just having them yeah well you you know putting them on bikes maybe sometimes but i don't know you didn't mention that part yeah well i I would do it sometimes I i will admit that i have bike parts in boxes in my basement that have not been on bikes ever that i bought six seven years ago that's all i'm asking well, it's, it's hard great. to stereotype you if you continue to grow and change. So exactly. you want to work on that a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little bit too dynamic. Anyway, welcome mm-hmm. to Working File. So Victoria and I are here again together in the studio, and this time everything is working perfectly. He said, jinxing it. But everything here is going great. So Victoria, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me here. I'm with you in the studio. <laughs> Just to confirm, I am not lying. I, I don't have her like, you know, tied up here and, uh, you know, making up some situation. She can confirm we're here in the studio. Uh-huh. And then we're also joined uh, with a, by a new contributor from New York by Kara Haupt. Uh, and Kara, you fresh on, off a new job at the New Yorker. Congratulations. Yay. Yes. Thank you. Have you actually started yet? No, I start tomorrow. I'm a little nervous. Oh, wow. Tomorrow. This is so exciting. We're on the eve of a whole new chapter. Yeah, I know. Big, big week. Big week. Very exciting. Uh, and Matt, how are you doing in Philadelphia? I'm great. I'm moments away from getting married. So this is a big um, week. Big She's like standing everybody. right there, and you're and waiting for you. Moments. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> we got a new job. Should I should I schedule this a different day? Maybe I should have done that. We got nah. people getting married. We I have a new bike. What else? What's what's new in your life, Victoria? <laughs> Something exciting? I I can't compete with that. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we all have new things to be excited about. So tonight's topic is self-worth and confidence and lack thereof and how this pertains to our job as designers. And this topic came up for me because recently there's been a, uh, a, a young man. I don't think, actually, he might be my age, actually. I don't really know how old he is, but he seems... You're young. a young man, Andy. I, I, don't feel, I don't feel that way, Matt, but I appreciate that compliment. Um, there's this, there's this guy that's been hanging around a little bit and I, I met him through some friends and he is basically trained as a graphic designer. He worked at a graphic design studio doing, you know, branding and, you know, more typical air quotes, graphic design work. And he's trying to basically move over and start doing more product design work. So websites, apps, that kind of things like software design. And, um, he basically reached out to me because he's in this program, which is like a boot campy kind of like you know rapid education like a six-week ten-week program or whatever to kind of bring people up to speed on a new type of thing and that thing is product design in this instance and um 
it's it's been a weird kind of like it's it's been a very organic like mentorship kind of role that kind of came out of nowhere, which was interesting and and uh, welcome. I, I thought it was very fun to kind of have somebody that I could talk about and kind of introduce to this whole career, which I've been doing for six years now, and kind of show them the ropes a little bit and offer a little bit of a like foil to the things that he was being taught in his you know formal courses and. Uh, anyway, the whole thing, it made me feel good, right? Like, selfishly, it was like, oh, I have knowledge to share with this person. It feels really good to feel like I actually have accrued some sort of expertise and, you know, experience over these past six years that I actually can, like, pass on to somebody, which made me realize that I think in t- up until this moment, I've really been struggling with the fact that I don't actually feel that way every, like, on a day-to-day basis. Like, most days, I actually really struggle with the sense of not really feeling like what I'm contributing to a project is really valuable because I've gotten to this point where I kind of the way I think about design is less specialized and more just like a generalist like make sure everything is considered and happens and kind of gets put together uh, and so I, I I have a lot of issues in my life but you would not normally criticize me as being somebody who doesn't have confidence <laughs> uh, self self-esteem and uh, sort of a sense of self-worth is never really a weakness of mine so it was interesting for me to realize that this was actually a situation where I had been kind of undervaluing myself for a long time, or at least in my own mind, thinking of my contributions to the team as not special, not valuable, and having this sort of new person who was coming into the industry fresh allowed me to kind of see clearly that, oh, no, I actually do have something to bring to the table. And so I wanted to discuss that because I think a lot of people struggle with a sort of lack of sense of self-worth a lack of confidence in their career. And I think some of that is specific to design and it's not something that gets talked about a lot. Um, so Matt, how do you feel about yourself right now? <laughs> Just right think, now in this moment. Oh, I feel great. Um, I think I probably have a similar uh, like internal self-worth and then uh, the way people would probably assume I feel about myself, which is that I probably... Uh, if you ask someone else, they probably think, I bet Matt thinks he's great. And then internally, I think, I don't know. I don't know if I'm so good at this. I mean, to be fair, Matt, you do say pretty often, Matt's great, Matt's great, I'm great. You, I've heard you say that many times. You're saying I put it out in the world. You do, pro- you do project that. I project confidence, but I don't necessarily always feel that way. I think that's pretty relatable, right? You said yes, Victoria. That's, you feel that way too? Not necessarily. I didn't say that's for myself, uh, but I think a lot of people feel like that. That's one of the most common things that I hear is people saying like, oh, I, I project more self-confidence than I have. Yeah, I think it's one, self-defense, and then two, like, how is how are you going to get any work if other people don't believe in you or you don't, like, make other people believe in you? So, like, it's a self-defense mechanism and a sales tactic, I guess. Um but I can't say that I don't suffer from the same thing you do, Andy, especially when you're, you know, maybe interacting with the same people over and over again. And it's just like the the novelty of what you do or like the skill set that you have is kind of it's kind of expected and it's the it's the norm. Yeah, that feels like a big part of it. I think when you're in the same context and you're talking to the same people over and over again, you lose a sense of what you're contributing as being special or meaningful. It just feels like, oh, yeah, well, if I wasn't here. Surely somebody else here would just have the same thoughts I'm having. I'm just, you know, a weird proxy for this idea. I'm not actually contributing something directly, which is at least... Or even if it's new people, if it's new people, but they're clients, um, like the fact that they're paying you money means it's expected that you would have the skill set. So, of course, why would you not? You know what I mean? As opposed to like, I don't know, 
interacting with somebody in a completely different capacity where it's just like, oh, wait, you know how to do that? I don't know, like meeting someone at a party and explaining something might be a little bit different than like selling yourself to somebody and saying, I'm worth this amount of money. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the sense of like, uh, I don't get that sense of validation from clients ever. Like, sure, clients oftentimes have told me directly or told our company that like, you did a great job, everything came out good, like express some kind of appreciation or validation for, you know, our, our value. But uh, that never does it for me. I guess I always feel like uh, in that situation, it's somebody else's contributions that are really responsible for the success of the thing or that, you know, because that is the expected way that relationship is supposed to go, that, you know, it's just normal for them to be happy. And if they're unhappy, then I failed. And if they're happy, then I guess I'm just barely getting by or whatever. Um, Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like the if the movers ding your furniture. I'm very upset with the movers. If they do everything perfectly, it's like, well, of course, that was what they were supposed to do. <laughs> everything got moved. Um, Kara, what is your what is your perspective on this? Do you struggle with a sense of confidence in your self worth as a designer? I don't think I do. I I don't think I do in like the day to day like professional environment of like not feeling like qualified or feel like I don't know the work that I'm doing isn't important or whatever. Um, I do feel like I've felt that a lot of like, I feel like I'm good at the type of design that I do. And if I try to do a type of design that I haven't done before, I'm not good at, then I feel like those feelings come up of like, I don't know if you want to call it like imposter syndrome or something like that. But that, I don't feel like that really happens when I'm like in in an environment doing the work that I'm doing in a day job environment around the people that I work with, if that answers the question. Yeah, I think you're saying you have a very healthy relationship to things, which is that the things you are good at, you feel comfortable doing and confident, and the things you're unfamiliar with, I think justifiably, you might feel less confident because they're not your main things. That's a sort of new territory. Um, that sounds like the correct way to feel as opposed to uh, <laughs> the way I feel, which is that there's a thing that I know I'm good at, I've been doing it for a long time, and yet I don't like feel the emotional benefit of it all the time i oftentimes don't feel feel inside of my heart and then soul that like i'm doing something good and it's worthwhile uh which is maybe a deeper seated issue um i think i've also heard you just point out things that you've never done before and just say i'm pretty sure i'd be great at that if i decided to dedicate the time to do it well that's the thing is uh, (laughs) like i like i said confidence is not usually a thing that i have an issue with at all and i do subscribe to that that vision of the world matt which is that I think the things I'm not good at, I'm not good at because I haven't tried or practiced or really put the effort in to be good at, uh, which is to say that, yeah, I think if I wanted to become a insert whatever, as long as it doesn't require some like biological advantage, right? I'm not going to become a great NBA player. That's never going to happen. I've got some limitations there. But, you know, something that's, you know, mental or, you know, a task like that, I, I, I think people, I don't think just me, I think people can learn to become good at almost anything. So... Yeah, it's all messy. And so I, I'm curious, Victoria, you are pursuing a, a, perhaps a more specific type of career than the rest of us in that the work you're doing is, uh, I don't know how to put it. Do, do you just you casually like-, like shaking my head at him, not really twitching. Go on. Okay, well, so how, how do you It's a reflex. Think- Keep talking. Well, so Kara talked about how she feels like sometimes she's in a situation where she's expected to do a type of design she's not familiar with. It's not her normal type of work. Therefore, she feels out of place a little bit, as we all would. Um, do you feel like... Do you ever feel that way? Or do you feel like you are doing the thing you're expected to be doing 
What's your whole what's your relationship? Well, I feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm expected to be doing, but I'm just always getting better at it. Um that's a that sounds right, right? I hope so. Um, I hope so too. And I mean that's gonna plateau at some point where I actually know what I'm doing all the way for sure. Um But will it plateau though? Do you hit a well, point where you no, stop getting but better? Probably not. Just that um I started doing my job when they were still training me, so I'm I'm getting there. I'm almost there to where I don't need someone constantly fixing what I'm doing. Um, what? Say your question again. Well, my question was going to be, if you did agree that there was some more structure to the kind of work you're doing than like, for example, you know, some days I'm designing websites and apps, which there's a certain amount of structure to that. And some days the design work I'm doing is like, something that may be totally unrelated, right? Like now we have to like make a compelling app icon, which is like a type of design that I frankly have never been that good at where it's like, let's just, you have to make a cool something. Like there's not really limitations. There's not a use case. You just have to make this cool and interesting. Like that kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but like that kind of like visual image making has never been a thing that was a strength of mine. And like I end up in those situations at all. Do you feel like there's that same diversity in type design where you end up doing things that you don't identify with as like your main type of type design or... okay yeah, yeah no, no no i i get a better idea of what you mean now um sure like i haven't drawn a sans serif of my own yet this is where it's just more specific um my fe- not field my i think i have more of a specialty in script like things working on that um but just in general i don't know i feel like when I was really insecure and anxious that my career was going to be a total flop. Like that was where I placed all of my self-worth just because it was a thing that hadn't happened yet. Um, But now that it's kind of going to be okay, going okay, I feel like I don't put so much of my self-worth into, like I don't bury it all in my work. I don't put it all there. Um, That makes, does anyone else feel like that? I was thinking about this. Yes. Um, that it's like the 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 better I get at this, the less I um like the more that I can be like, oh, I'm an actual whole well-rounded person with like other interests and also really like my work. Just don't tell my grandmothers that. Like I'm still training <laughs> them to talk to ask me about work when we get on the phone. <laughs> I think I've I've always felt that way, but may, I don't know if it's a, in a less healthy way where I feel like when I was learning more. I assumed I'd hit, I'd like make either like learn something or there'd be some sort of achievement and that would make me feel better about like my success or whatever I'd accomplished. And then you hit those milestones. You're like, oh, this doesn't make everything better. Like it's, it's really nice. My life is still bad here, but it doesn't solve every problem that I have. And then I started thinking about life a little bit differently after that point. Is that a similar thing? Yeah, I think so. I think I've felt that too of like, I haven't had like a ton of like official professional experience, but I do know that like once I always felt like confident in my abilities or in a, and confident in my ability to like solve problems. But once I like had some kind of like professional evidence um, that had, you know, a certain kind of name attached to it, that I think helped me like gain that confidence. And I feel like you know, anybody who's walking out of school or who is starting out their career who doesn't have that evidence, um, like those feelings feel a lot more vicious, even though like you might be confident in your own ability, you might not Mm -hmm. be able to show it so easily. 
Yeah, you can't really, you can't point out to somebody else and say, see, I told you so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you ever get that evidence and like dismiss it? Or is that, that just works for you? I think I do. Um, I think like we're all our own like worst critics. And so like, I probably would want to redo everything I've ever made. And so <laughs> um, I, I think I do dis I can dismiss it, but I don't think that's what like personality wise is my first inclination i think my first inclination is like thank you i know it's great so (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no same i just want i i hear different things from people yeah totally i do understand the the feeling of like of of someone else complimenting your work and then you you for like saying thank you but then also internally being like if you only knew this could be so much better or like i would do this this and this to change it like you don't understand i don't know i can remember that like when i was in bands and you'd get off stage just after you perform a song, somebody's like, that was great. And you're like, I know every note that was missed. You don't understand. It was not great. <laughs> you were just not very observant. Kara was at this talk that I gave at the Type Directors Club last week. And afterwards, everyone was like, that was great. And I was like, you have to say that. I'm right here. But <laughs> like, I mean, I, d- I thanks, Kara. I <laughs> thought it went really well and I had a lot of fun. But it's also like, I you're not going to say that to my face. <laughs> I had to really focus on learning how to not even graciously accept praise but just literally say thank you when somebody says something nice because <laughs> as opposed to arguing with them well what was, so what your natural inclination you. be? so it, it, my inclination is the same as what you said matt like right i know everything that's wrong with this thing and i think to go a step further the reason i always felt compelled to explain that to a very nice innocent person that just was saying something <laughs> kind who didn't know they were walking into this weird Some like sort of psychological that trap that you. i have in my brain uh, I think the reason I want to explain it to them is because I didn't want them to think that it was the best I could do. So, you know, whether they're being genuine or not, I wanted to be able to be like, yeah, well, you think that's good. Just wait until next time, which is how I felt about most of my career is like, well, next time I'll do better. And next time is always next time. And it's never now. Uh, and that to me is like why I always had to try and explain yeah but here are the things that are wrong with it because i want to do that does anyone else get like that also the instinct to kind of try to be humble when someone gives you a compliment like you have to balance the fact that like in my head i'm like yes i'm great i'm awesome i did that thing really well but then have to kind of temper it yeah i i feel like i have that too or like you kind of also want to show that you're self-aware enough to like see all the problems with the thing that you made so it's like Yes, I am smart that I made that thing, but I'm actually even smarter than that because I realize everything that's wrong with it. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. <laughs> um, which, yeah, I don't know how, how lovely of a, a personality attribute I myself, that is. Mike Rave Debrito, <laughs> so hot that I couldn't eat it. That's how self-aware <laughs> and meta I am of my own work. Um, so I, I do think a lot of this... It, to me, I draw a line, though, because some of this is just basic like lack of confidence in yourself which i think is the thing that young people and old people people in all kinds of jobs and you know places in life have experienced at one point or another for various reasons um i do think part of this is specific to design in a way though because i found such a designer thing for you to say sorry gone i know well i mean obviously like <laughs> sure that that's that's the lens through which i view the world it's like what i'm trained in and what i've spent most of my life adult life thinking about so i'm i'm more likely to sort of see the world that way. But but it feels like I, I am more confident in a conversation with another designer about 
myself and my what I bring to the table and my expertise and experience than I am in a conversation with somebody who is perhaps a software developer or somebody that is, you know, working in business, right? Like the CEO of a big company or, you know, somebody that comes from a different field because I think a lot of my hangups are tied up in design's role in a bigger project, which I oftentimes feel like doesn't actually carry the weight that maybe I was taught it carried or maybe I, I hope it actually carried. Uh, and then the reality is like, well, you know, we have to build this thing. And if, as long as it does the stuff it says it's going to do, it doesn't really matter what color we choose for the buttons and what font we pick. Like all that stuff is kind of just set dressing. Uh, and I think a lot of that undermines in my own mind, like my value, because it's like, well, the more I learn about this, the more I feel like the decisions that I was trained to make, like color, composition, graphic design things, the more I feel like those things don't actually really matter. And so I'm on this like weird feedback loop of the more I learn and the more experience I get, the less I actually think the things that I know about really carry weight. Um, Does that mean that if you didn't make every single decision in the design of a product, then you see that as a failure? Like, is that where you're going with that? Well, no, I mean, obviously, that's that almost never happens. It's rare that a well, of course product it gets built with one person that's really, you know, in charge of it. It's just to say that, like, it's making those decisions that's important. And where I sit right now in February 2017, Andy Mangold, I feel like design's job is to be a kind of overarching voice in the conversation deciding about what the thing should be, right? Like, I, I expect engineers to look at the world as an engineer would look at the world. And I think your job as an engineer is, well, we have to make this efficient. We have to make it reasonable to build. We have to figure out how these things are gonna like technically work. And that's supposed to be your focus if you're an engineer. You're not really supposed to, as an engineer, be thinking about like, how is this going to make a bunch of money? Or, you know, what are we gonna do about, you know, this kind of audience? Like I think you're supposed to be thinking about how it works. And to the same degree, I think someone who is a business person or is supposed to be figuring out like, all right, how are we going to turn this thing into a business? How are we going to have income coming in the door? And how are we going to have that income be larger than our expenses? And like, that's a whole other job with a whole other focus. And so I don't expect a business person to, you know, know or care about exactly what a technical person is knowing or caring about. And so at, at this, like, and this is, again, like my little world, right? Like I often work in software. So these are the two, these are like the big parties in the world I'm talking about. But the same thing can be said for, you know, anything like a publication, you have writers, you have editors, you have advertisers, you have the same kinds of different people. And I feel like all these other careers have their focus and their focus is clear. And then design, I'm like, I honestly feel like the job of design is to be the one group that listens to all of the groups and understands more of where they're coming from to kind of like play a bridge. Uh, because if you don't have that role, then all design is literally going to do at the end of the day. Well, the business break people decided how it's going to be, how the subscription is going to work and how it's going to be sold and what the price is going to be. And, you know, how many people we can afford to hire. And the engineers have decided what features are reasonable to build. And they've done all their A-B testing and research. And they've figured out exactly, you know, what the thing has to do. And so me, I'm either just going to pick some colors for it. Or I'm going to be working to kind of like connect all of the disparate parts of this. I'm going to try and make sure that the business things are represented in the design. And the technical things are represented in the design. I'm going to like smooth out all these corners and bridge these gaps. Uh, and when when that's your job, when you're like the the fixer, like the little in between space job, <laughs> uh, it's hard to feel like you really have a place, and that like you have a sphere that is your own. Uh, and that's something I've been feeling, which I, I 
I feel like it, it relates more abstractly than just in my specific situation, but maybe I'm wrong. So, so to Victoria or Kara, somebody who's working in a different kind of specific industry, do you have this sense of like how your practice relates to the other practices going on uh, in your respective companies and how that affects your sense of yourself and what your job is? I don't know if I get, I don't think I get as existential about it, Andy. <laughs> um, I guess I see, I see myself as a, a part of a machine. And so my most recent job, um, I worked as, um, I was the co-lead for content and social media design for the Hillary Clinton campaign, which, you know, is a very small piece within which is a small piece within the design team, which was a small piece within the digital team, and then, you know, a small piece within the social and content team. And with, you know, within this huge organization that was, you know, based here in New York and was also represented everywhere in the United States. And so I think um, I think I understood what my role was, and I, I knew that I was just a piece of it. And I knew that I had to do my job to the best of my ability and and I couldn't and I I needed to do it with a lot of thoughtfulness um, because I knew that my, if I messed up my piece, that's going to make somebody else within the organization's job harder. And that kind of like turns into like a, a domino effect. And so I don't know if I feel like if that my role um that seems kind of arbitrary or maybe doesn't seem like it really matters within this huge problem that you know was a presidential campaign but i think i i understood that i was like i felt like okay within my small role of knowing that i was making really like i had to make smart um and thoughtful decisions constantly because that affected like this whole entire organization and i think there were probably like maybe more existential feelings of being like, you know, like me making type choices, um, you know, those decisions were probably didn't really seem to matter as much as to maybe some of my coworkers who were organizers on the ground. And so I think I feel that role um, in, in not an intimidating way, but more of like, I feel like confident in in the responsibility that I had in that role. Did I go to totally bizarre direction? I don't know if that answered that question. You, you're describing like you're doing your role and everyone else is doing their role all at the same time. It's not like you were coming in at the end of something like maybe Andy was describing where uh, other people have executed a bunch of stuff and then they come to you, the designer. It seems like you, you and Andy have two different roles. Yeah, I, I think your answer, which was great, really highlighted the fact that maybe the issue I'm only having is that as a small company that works with other small companies, we don't have such, you know, carefully defined roles on any project. Uh, you know, it, it, working in a big organization, that kind of oversight is necessary in order for things to get done and for people to know what's getting done. You have to have very specific people doing very specific things. Otherwise, it's hard to be responsible for everything. And so it could be as simple as like, my main issue right now could be as simple as just Working in small companies, you don't have the benefit of that bureaucracy, that kind of structure, and therefore you end up having to kind of like eke out your own space when it might not be one naturally there for you. 
Do you feel this way, Matt? Because Matt, we're 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 similar companies now with do very similar things. Uh, do you do you have this feeling? Absolutely. It's I think it's the feeling of of what you said of making your own space. Like um, it's not always clear when we start a new job, like exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Sometimes, like yes, we are maybe we're designing and building a product or designing and building a website or something like that. And of course, that will need a designer of some sort. But like. Sometimes it's pretty open-ended at the beginning and maybe it's even pretty open-ended as to like who's who's providing you feedback and who's giving you this. And I think sometimes that lack of clarity, like, of course, that's why you're being hired, um, but also that can make it hard to know if you've done a good job, to know if you're um, managing it well. And, and the fact that it's small teams, like, we don't really... Um, we don't necessarily always have a dedicated person to be project manager. Like that usually just falls to either me or some sort of, or potentially a developer who's leading the project. So it's not always super clear who's, who's in charge and who's responsible for telling you that you did well and you can move on, you know? So when that's not clear, um, you're left to do, you, you have to do it for yourself. And if you're not really, if you're not so good at praising yourself, it's probably pretty hard to feel like you've always done a great job. And I've also I've also been in the situation where I've had less control and all I wanted was more control. So like I I don't think uh I don't think it's it's a bad thing necessarily. It's just once you once you have that kind of control over it like you're responsible for how you feel about it. Yeah. That's something they don't tell you when uh when you get a management position or a leadership position They're like, "Hey, by the way, now you're responsible for your own self-satisfaction and no one else is going to yeah. validate you at all. You have to just know that you're doing good and figure it out, which is uh, it's a challenging thing sometimes. Victoria, you're at a smaller company, but one that has more careful like roles and structures perhaps than the hodgepodge pile of mess that Matt and I are working at. Is that, is that true? Y'all have such different, like you, you do different kinds of projects. Um, I'm just making this one product over and over again. I don't know how to compare that. I, I do have people above me that tell me when I'm doing a good job or a bad job. <laughs> um, so that's, I don't know. I like it. So it, I have a question about that because I haven't had that for since I was in school, really, that I had somebody tell me like, here's a grade. You did a good. Mm -hmm. We just have clients that either pay their invoices or don't. And that's just a pass fail system, which isn't really. <laughs> is that even really indicative of like no, whether you did a good? Yeah. No, it's 0% indicative yeah. of whether or not you <laughs> did a good what, job. Uh, that's what that's what I thought. Nothing to do with that at all. But um, so I, I'm curious, has that presence of that boss figure, that person that gets to tell you you did a good or a bad job, do you think that's mostly helped your sense of self-worth at your job or mostly hurt it um i mean it's it just runs concurrent to what i how i feel about myself and how fulfilled i am with what i'm doing it doesn't it doesn't necessarily help it just <laughs> just when there's a project in your hands and you've got to get it done and they tell you well you're not done yet you need to fix all these things that you messed up like that's all that it is because I do think there's something to be said for, you know, I'm in a small company such that there's like not that many designers at all in my company, like two mm -hmm. really, and some part-time interns. So there's not really a like ecosystem of designers where I can like figure out where I fit in and here's what I'm good at and here's my specialty and here's what people come to me for. It's just, well, there's two of us. So you come to both of us for everything. Um, something I've noticed though, is that sometimes the presence of 
a more experienced person, like the person you're talking about, Victoria, that is your person that gives you this validation. You did a, you did a good, you did a bad, you know, check, check plus, <laughs> whatever. Um, sometimes the presence of that person, I think, in the workplace uh, is like an aspirational thing. Like, here's somebody who is doing the thing I'm doing, but they're doing it better because they've been doing it for longer, they're more experienced or whatever. And that gives you something to kind of shoot for and gives you a goal, which is really helpful, I think. So you're saying you don't have that? Well, no, I... Sorry, go on. <laughs> it's a different thing. Um, sometimes having that person, I think, in a workplace from things I've observed in our own workplace and others gives people this sense of always being behind. So let's say you've got somebody that's been doing this for five years more than you. If you both keep doing your career, that person will always have done it for five years more than you. And so <laughs> na- it's, it's not really a goal in the sense that if you're constantly comparing yourself to this one person or this you know, group of people or whatever, uh, you're never going to get there because you're always going to be chasing this moving target. Um, which I think is something that, I don't know, it's something I think about when you consider who's got what skills and different work scenarios and how you're going to like set those expectations for, you know, who's experienced and who's going to be giving feedback to who and how that whole system works. Um, to answer your question, Victoria, like, no, in my job, I don't have somebody where it's like, I want to be like that. Uh, you know, we, I've started the company with some other people, so... It, if we ever get to hire somebody someday that's like vastly more experienced than us, that would be extremely, it'd be a great privilege to be able to do that. And um, we haven't had that chance yet. Usually because people that are smarter than us don't want to work for idiots. So they, <laughs> they go off and do their own thing. Um, so no, I, I've always looked outside of my own work environment for those role models uh, to try and aspire to um, because it's just a different situation. So I do feel like some of my little crisis has been <laughs> triggered by so glad to be here for you andy oh i i know um i think part of it has definitely been triggered by the current world political situation uh which has made me a little bit question just on an even bigger sense the value of my skill set in the grand scheme of things and and carrie you alluded to this briefly before earlier when you mentioned that some of your coworkers at Hilly for America were maybe on the ground doing organizing with community groups or doing something that you felt like might be more directly involved and maybe might feel like it's more, you know, helpful. Um, I, I do wonder how much of this is just me looking around and going like, sure, maybe I am good at this, but like, what good is this thing that I'm good at? Like, what can I actually contribute in a bigger sense with these skills that I have? Uh, which I think also comes from skepticism of looking at what other designers have done with their skills and being like, is that really helping? And then I have to like turn that same turn that same sort of critical eye to myself always. Um, is that a thing that y'all have been thinking about at all? Is this me alone lying awake at night wondering? I mean, I think I certainly feel that way because um, like I I was somebody that was using my skills to try to stop something from happening or you know (laughs) who is doing like a values driven like on the ground kind of job um with my design skills and I did I spent the last week of the election in North Carolina canvassing um doing a lot of door-to-door stuff and then kind of helping out at some democratic field offices and that I felt like was a really really important thing for me to do as a person that had been sitting in an office for, you know, six months, um, like getting that perspective, I think, A, it didn't make me feel, it made me feel 
confident in the fact that I was sitting in an office for six months, but it also gave me a perspective um, that I shouldn't always just sit in an office. And I, of course, like had my own kind of intense feelings about the election and 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 how the design community did or didn't respond during and after. Um, and so I feel like I'm at the point now where I, I think it's that kind of reckoning or this, that's kind of conversation that we're having right now is like a super important thing to do. If you're like looking at the context of your day job, um, and also maybe realizing that like, sometimes you're like, kind of sparkly skill set um, might not be the best way to like inflict change in the world and maybe it's canvassing door to door and it but I don't know if it's always one one or the other I think it's if we're it's probably a good combination of both but and but I, then I feel it too now as I'm like you know starting a job in media again that I hope I keep asking those type of questions of how I'm spending my day and if I'm using my skill set in, in a way that is needed. I, I definitely agree that it is, doesn't seem healthy to me to think of oneself as a designer and a designer only, and therefore your only interface with the world can be through you know, what you do professionally. Like That's not true of any other profession. It's no reason it should be true of design, right? Like If uh-huh. you're a I always come back to. I feel bad because I always come back. You're to always plumber. a plumber. I know. I I don't know what it is about <laughs> plumbing that I always bring that up as like the the other type of job you can have. You can either be a designer or a plumber, is what I always think. Um, Do you even know a plumber? A Mario as a kid. I, I have a nice plumber that fixes my pipes when they are broken. Hi, yeah. Brian. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I I do yeah. oftentimes think that people end up in a design related career because it's something that they cared about, right? Like, I, I don't think you go to art school because you're like, well, this offers the clearest, highest return on investment for all of my money I'm going to sink into my, you know, my time here. Uh, people end up studying design or pursuing design largely because it's something they care about and are, you know, feel drawn to and feel good at, uh, which I think is different than other jobs, right? Like, I wasn't thinking when I decided to become a designer loads many years ago that this would be the way in which I would have the greatest positive impact with my life. That was not the thing that was at the front of my mind. Um, and I think maybe that is what's at the front of doctors or nurses or even lawyers' minds when they're, they, they're doing their thing. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's important that we not only think of ourselves based on our skill set and what we bring to our jobs, even though those things might be perhaps more important to our self-identity than they are for other people in different jobs. Can I, can I say something because you said doctors and lawyers? Yes. Um, so I came from a fine art background in college and then I, so I was like, oh, I could be an artist maybe. And then, and then I was like, oh, I could be an illustrator maybe because that seemed a little bit more useful and I like that. But I worried as an illustrator that then I would never be making anything that like helped people enough. So then I got into type design because that seemed even more useful in the world. It's like, you know, you're making tools for people to use, like doesn't get much more useful than making tools. Um, but like, I, I still feel like I could be doing more to help people. And even though I've like gravitated more and more, it's toward more and more towards a field that's practical. Why can I not say words are hard towards a field that's practical and useful. Um, 
And I wonder sometimes, I wondered this in college and I wonder it now, I wonder if like I had gone to med school instead and if I were a doctor and if I were like curing orphans of disease, like would I still, is this maybe just something that's in my head? Like would I still be feeling that I weren't, that I wasn't doing enough? Um, is that just a permanent thing that I have? Yeah, I I think I feel would feel that t- too. Um and I think that's I think it's like a sign of a good person or like a healthy <laughs> nice. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's like a you should always be feeling this way, I think. Um it, it it's kind of like the the parallel of you should never look at your portfolio and be like, ah, yes, the perfect portfolio. All of my work is flawless. Because <laughs> if you've done that, then you've, you're not growing anymore, right? You've, you've stopped. We, we, you made that work, and then you didn't grow beyond that. Therefore, you look at it and think it's great. Uh, so I think looking back at your contributions to your life and saying, I could be doing better. I could be more good. I could be more caring. I could be more generous. I could do more positive in the, in the whole world with my life means that you're going to continue to be better and better at doing that. Like you have- As long as you are actually continuing to be better and not just wishing you were. Well, yeah. I think that's... It, it probably comes down to people's different personalities. I mean, you have to wish before then you could do it, but you have to actually do it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a step process. But I do think an important part of it is wanting to do better and then feeling bad that you didn't do better and then <laughs> maybe eventually doing better. Um, but yeah, it all, all seems like such a mess. So I'm curious to hear from you three, what are some of the things, either vague or specific, that have helped like boost your confidence? So we've talked a lot about maybe all the reasons why we struggle with feeling that we're doing good things in the world. And, and Victoria, my example is, is uh, not... I, I never think I should become a doctor for a lot of reasons. I don't think I have the bedside manner for, to be a doctor. Oh, you could do it. Come but, on. Uh, the thing for me is I always think that in a... like different life I could have been a scientist and I could be trying to like fix diseases and like figure out how to revert all of these horrible things we've done to the globe and ruined forever and like that feels like a career I could have had in a different life but I don't here I am making websites and recording podcasts the world's <laughs> most useful thing it's so helpful to everybody to speak into microphones and put it on the internet um but what are the things that have made you feel better over the years so the example i gave of like having this person kind of show up in the office as like somebody that was new to this career made me feel better because it gave me some perspective um that's one thing that's happened recently for me where i've been like oh yeah i'm i'm doing okay i'm i'm learning things i'm I'm doing better uh what what are those moments that you all have had just good things that made you feel good i can think of one recently where it was just it was pretty simple but it was designing a product that had to do with uh, in- increasing uh, safety protocol. And it just was like, it was, it was like the most practical thing you could think of. And the end result is just like, this is now a much safer process. Uh, and when I got to the end of it, it was like, it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily the flashiest thing I've ever designed or like the weirdest or, I mean, sometimes I go through like, oh, I got to do something weirder, or more wild or like prove that I can do something crazy. Um, it wasn't that at all. It just was like a very clear problem that this could solve. And it seemed like the product can now, like it seemed like we came up with a product that can do that. Um, that made me feel great. And it doesn't, I don't know if it's just that it's just such a clear goal. And then getting to the end of it, you're like, oh, 
well, I accomplished the goal and that was what I set out to do. And so therefore I feel better about myself. Um, but something about it being super practical, like applicable in the world and then thinking about where it could go and how, how clearly it could improve a process that is good for everyone. That made me feel great. Kara, Victoria, is there anything that happened to you recently that we can make very positive in our show about self-worth and confidence? I don't know of like how recent it is, um, but I have this like media project website thing called Babe Vibes, and um, we've like put out a couple of projects. Um, we did one called the Pep Talk Generator, which you can go at to our website and um, have a randomly generated pep talk for you, and that like. <laughs> That has been like like our most successful thing that we've done. And we've also done some like zines on self-care. And every once in a while, I'll like get an email about like one of those projects and that are like very like personal and heartfelt. Um, and I feel like the, that those projects helped that person for whatever reason, um, whatever day it was. And um, I feel like those have always been like a really good confidence booster um, because, um, you know, because I've been doing babe vibes, I think, you know, pretty much by myself. And so sometimes it feels like very emotional um, to be the mom of this weird thing that feels, you know, pressureful. Um, and so like those kind of moments feel like a good confidence booster. Well, uh, mine isn't really recent either, but like I, the last, my last semester of college, I dated a med student that, that kind of like put to bed my whole, like, Oh, if only I'd been a doctor, I'd be like a much better, perfect, good person. <laughs> um, but no, it really just kind of like Kara said, um, anytime that I'm able to connect with someone that is a minority in my field, which is like anyone except for like cis white dudes. Anytime I'm able to have a conversation with someone and um, help them out or they help me out, I feel like I'm maybe going to be leaving my industry a little bit better than I found it. I think so. Yeah. I, uh, I thought of one more, which is related actually to, to podcasting, not, which is not really not my career at all. We don't make any money from this. This is our, this is our hobby. But, uh, but, you know, like one of the reasons that I like to make podcasts, I mean, honestly, the biggest reason is that podcasts mean a lot to me personally like i have had so many hard times in my life that podcasts have gotten me through and it sounds so dumb to be like goofy you know comedy podcasts of people just making goofs is going to be like a thing that's going to help people but it has really helped me and it's like a thing that means a lot in my life so uh you know matt we a couple years ago now uh, had a little meetup for one of our previous shows in new york and just meeting people in new york that had even a, a shred of a similar relationship with our show that I have with the podcast that have meant so much to me was a very similar moment where it was like, made me feel really good about the work we were doing because I saw what I valued in the things I love in people that were, you know, listeners to our thing, uh, which meant a lot to me. And I assume to you too, Matt, we talked about how, how much, how fun that was. Yeah. If I take it out, if I take it outside my job, I think the recording something, especially when we, we either meet somebody or get an email from somebody that, uh, had positive feelings or like it somehow it, even even this in the smallest ways just getting emails where it it changed someone's life so, even in the tiniest way uh it just feel that is probably the most rewarding because i've done exactly that same thing and even even like 
Uh, I don't think I've ever written letters like that because it feels a little bit embarrassing. Oh, I do it all the time. I'm um, a big cold emailer. Yeah. Do you really? <laughs> oh, I I think I find it incredibly embarrassing to do something like that. But when I get when I get it from somebody else, I appreciate that they put themselves out there, that they listen, that um, whatever. I always assume I'm saying something stupid. So whatever stupid thing I said connected in any way, like yeah, it, it's funny to me that like that that was a more rewarding experience than anything I've ever you know designed in air quotes yeah and then the thing you've mentioned victoria too which i think is really important to to highlight uh you're you're dating a med student not that we have to have a dating a med student thing no but, please go on but the <laughs> the the once you get close to a thing it being completely disillusioned is so so real uh mm-hmm. you know like the the things in my life that i have really pursued and then either gotten to experience or achieved uh as soon as you're there not only is it not as important as you thought it would be, but oftentimes it's totally disappointing. You're like, wait a minute, this is not at all what I had dreamed it might possibly be. And I think that's something that I have to remind myself pretty often is that it's so easy to take what you currently have for granted and assume that somebody else's thing or a different job or a you know different kind of place to work would be so much better, or a different career be so much better. But the situations where I've gotten to experience those other things, it's like, well, actually, you know, this is messed up in a whole new cornucopia of ways. Uh, if, sure. <laughs> if you are a doctor, you probably don't get to be the one that gets to cure orphans of diseases. That's probably not a thing that's easy to do. Don't uh, let you do that. In the same way that, uh, you know, if you're doing any kind of job, there's a complex sort of thing going on there. So that's something that... This is why I can watch endless videos about chefs on YouTube and be like, oh, wow, that's really great. If I watch one moment of like a design interview, I'm like, nah, they're lying. There's no <laughs> way. This is not what it's like. How dare that you? That is a real thing too, right? Like... I can't listen to any design anything. I, I, I can't I can't consume design media. I can't read design I can't articles. Can't listen to our own podcast. No, I I I have to do that for podcast reasons. But I I wouldn't probably if it not for the fact that we make the show. Uh, like I don't listen to other design podcasts for many many reasons we won't get into here. But like it's true. Once you get close to something, it's you become very disillusioned and it loses a lot of its appeal. And yeah, the like fun public facing like versions of that thing right you think of tv shows that highlight what it's like to be a professional chef or you think of honestly like you know even great podcasts like design matters like the the whole thing about that podcast is we're going to interview people and like we're going to kind of celebrate their entire thing we're going to talk about all the good stuff they've done none of the bad stuff and we're going to be a big celebration about it like that kind of portrayal of anything is something that uh i think is hard to remind yourself if it's not your industry that that is the rose-tinted version of it. Uh, like we see that when we see design things, because we know how the industry works. But when we we see you know an episode of Top Chef or whatever, we're like, oh, it'd be so cool to be a chef. Not Top Chef, Chef's Table, the one that's about chefs. Um, so we should go to our closing statements, end of the show segment time. Uh, so the thing I want to close on is really just to say that I like Matt, have often projected myself as being very confident, inadvertently or advertently, uh, in my life. And what I want people out there that are listening to this to know is that I don't have perhaps as much confidence as maybe you thought. And if anyone wants to talk about it, hit me up on Twitter, because I am happy to discuss these things, which I don't think we discuss enough as an industry. And uh, yeah, I'm out here having uh, crises too. So get at me. Every day, a different little crisis. Um, I was thinking a lot about how 
art school and then even after that like everyone really loves to be all design can change the world and like without any hint of irony at all and like it's kind of it can be productive to keep that mindset because just that reckless self-aggrandizement like it gets you pumped but um I like thinking of like here are the particular little ways that um, my niche of a field can affect people and here's all of the ways that it cannot and everything that it can't do. Like I think that there's power in knowing and stating out loud your limitations and also in power and specificity. So yeah, if only to keep your head from exploding all the time. Um, That's how I (laughs) think of things. Maybe I should learn to approach the world that way. I've only recently realized that I can't I can't fill every gap with su- succeeding at a design mm-hmm. thing, but uh, planning a wedding will do that to you. You realize do- you can't do it all. <laughs> you can't do every single thing. Maybe I'll just maybe I'll learn that there are some things that my job can do for me, and then there's personal things I can do that are also good. Maybe I'll go Canvas. Yes, please go Canvas. <laughs> 2018. I think my closing idea um, I, that I think it is good to feel this way. Like I think it's good for us be questioning our role and whether that means like the organizations that we work in or if it's you know the role of um you know just the small design choices that we make every single day I think it's good to be kind of grapple existentially with it and to grapple constantly um because I think design is about thoughtfulness and so every opportunity to be thoughtful is a, a good Thing. And it seems very clear to me that people that don't grapple with this are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. It's definitely true. Read the canvassing thing. I did a bunch of phone bank, not a bunch. I phone banked some during the uh during the election because I was like, this is a skill I have. I can talk on the phone. I don't mind talking to strangers. <laughs> I have no problem dialing a random number and just talking to people. I was like, this will help. And I totally had one of those like you know, it seems so great, and then you actually do it, and you become disillusioned because I I called like there was one night where I called upwards of two hundred phone numbers, and I only spoke to four actual people, and of those four people, three of them were just furious that they had been called again and just wanted to pick up the phone to yell at the people that had <laughs> called them, and the only one, the one person I talked to that I was like do you know your voting location? And they were like, I don't think so. And I was like, it's this church. You know where that is? And they were like, I do. Thank you. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this four and a half <laughs> hours of calling people was worth it for that one person, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels bad. I mean, oh. as, lo- as long as you're not the only one doing those four hours of calls. No, there was if a bunch of other doing, nice If people. everyone's doing those four hours of calls, everyone's putting in the time. And I it's will say, gonna be something. And I will say that uh, one, of the, one of the most visceral moments of the entire campaign for me was... The night I did, I went and phone banked like at one of the like locations. I don't know what it is. It's a DNC look office or something. It was an office in the city where I went, and there was a bunch of other people there, like probably thirty or forty other people. And it was shocking to me to see who cared enough to come out to phone bank, uh, because I was the only white man, first of all, of all like thirty or forty people, and it was mostly like old retired ladies who were like, "Yep, I'm gonna go call some people because this is something that means a lot to me," uh, and it was really. Uh, it was very visceral to me to see how the, pe- the people that cared enough to come out and do that. Uh, so that was a beneficial experience in perhaps a different way than calling out those phone numbers and getting yelled at by those people. But uh, that's the thing I can do. I can get yelled at and I don't, I don't get sad about it. So <laughs> that's my contribution. Well, I think that's the end of the podcast. I think we made one. Wow. Yay. Sure. 
Uh, Victoria, is your talk ever going to be on the internet anywhere? Or is that a private talk My from private eyes only? Talk at the Type Directors Club from last week is going to be on the internet at some point, but I don't know when. I will let you know. The only way you can find out is by following Victoria on Twitter at Victoria Lisa. At Victoria Alicia. That's V I C T O R I A L I S S I A. We'll put a link. Yeah. No, no. You don't want me to spell it out again? (laughs) (laughs) Please do it. Do it in semaphore. No. (laughs) Wait, let me rewind the podcast. I'm typing it in. Okay. No, skip back five Uh seconds. One second. Kara, you're starting a new job soon. Is there anything people should do other than follow you on Twitter? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you can go to babevibes.com because that's still my baby and I'm still going to work on it a little bit. Um, But yeah, follow Twitter and Instagram, I think. Yeah. Do check out Babe Vibes. It is very good. Despite me not being a babe, I still think it's cool. <laughs> thank you, Andy. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us. This has been thank you for an us. emotional roller coaster of a conversation about self-worth and how it's weird to feel good about yourself. That's the other thing. I just feel bad when I feel good about myself. Is that normal? <laughs> I think that's probably good to feel as a white man, to be honest. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This has been Working File. Thanks for listening. This week, instead of writing a review or checking us out on Twitter, go find a designer you like and tell them you think they're swell. Tell them you think they have a cool Twitter account. And when you tell them that, tell them that we told you to tell them so it's still marketing for the show, because I think that's the point. At Working File on Twitter. This is a trick. Yes. Yes.